Relax. You're quite safe here. <laughs> Good evening, and welcome to Rock Strikes! Welcome to Rock Strikes 10, the show guaranteed to always give you 10 songs, no more, no less. My name is Joey. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show here today, whether you're doing it at cnjradio.com or you're subscribed and leaving a comment on the iTunes page, which I really appreciate in lieu of money. Thank you very much, everybody. There's a great archive on there of 140-plus episodes now at this point, so go check it out. Uh, like my friend Logan here. Hello. Say hello, Logan. Hello. Once again. Hello. <laughs> yeah, you should probably notice a, a slight, slight drop-off in the uh, vocal tone here. I switched the uh, very awesome Yeti Blue Mic microphone over to double-sided mic. And uh, I, unlike last time, I was being selfish on the last show. So Logan truly co-hosting today. Yay! And we're doing another death show, Logan. You get to look at me for yes. like at least an hour or so. Yeah, something like that. That's terrible. Yeah, but not as terrible as being dead. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> D a t h death death death. I will take it. Uh, but yeah, let's let's get these shows over with. <laughs> I mean, you know, hey. Dark. Uh, but like I said, this is what we do here in Rock Strikes 10. Uh, 10 deaths and we bank it and we talk about them. Like I said, some people you may not have ever heard about and there's no shortage of that here on this episode. Not at all. Uh, there's going to be a few knowns here, of course, as ever, but uh, in a schizo kind of playlist. So if you love these shows, which I know some of you do, strap yourselves in. It's going to be an interesting one. We're going to start off with uh, the, the the next death here, basically, like I feel like we're just finishing up yeah. part two here. Part two. Uh, a guy named Jesse Winchester. What was his date of death? Uh, date of death was April 11th, 2014. Yeah, he was a kind of a folk country guy, uh, which is not the usual fare that we play here on Rock Strikes 10, but uh, we're going to talk just a little bit about him, and you'll kind of figure out why we're talking about him at the end of it here. So, Logan, you got any fun facts on Mr. Winchester? Well, uh, first... Great, great name, yeah, by the way, for yeah, a country guy. Yeah, Jesse Winchester. That, that That's a pretty classic name. You just can't make those up. But uh, he was a he was a draft dodger from the the Vietnam War. Yeah. And, and we're, we're not saying that in a negative No, tone. no. <laughs> I, 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 after looking at his stuff, I kind of thought he was a little bit more of the... I think we called it the conscientious objector. Yeah. But he went ahead and uh, picked up and moved to Canada in 67. Yeah. Renounce his citizenship, though. That yeah. Was, that was the thing that kind of, uh, you're not really supposed to do that, or at least no one knew at the time right. that you weren't supposed to do that because you had, there was light at the end of the tunnel if you didn't. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, he seemed he seemed to just be, be that traditional draft dodger from that era yeah. and moved to Canada. You kind of compared up shop. Him, you kind of compared him to like a Pete Seeger type. Well, I I, I kind of got the vibe that he was a little bit more of a Pete Seeger kind of guy, and not and not so much just your run of the mill, you know, overtly patriotic. yeah, overtly patriotic, <laughs> yeah, pant pooper. U- USA is one hundred percent a right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it looked like he uh, did uh, wrote some songs and. Uh, and a lot of a lot of different artists all across the board. Everybody from George Strait, Elvis Costello, Jimmy Buffett. Uh, heck, it lists the Weather Girls. <laughs> um, so you know he he was. So he's he's I, in the top. I don't know. He's, he's, 
He's in that club that Tom Waits yeah. is the president of. Yeah. Uh, more famous by your covers than... Well, I don't your... know if it was more famous, but... Because well, I honestly don't know... I've never it, heard of it. Yeah, I, I, I really don't either. This yeah. is just junk that I've looked up on the worldwide internet. Yes. So... So one of those artists you mentioned, we are going to play their oh, cover of a oh. Jesse Winchester song. I bet you can guess which one. Um, Gary Allen. Oh, I didn't mention that one. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett? There no. will never oh, be Jimmy Buffett is, ever on this Rock This is 100% Strikeson. Jimmy Buffett free show. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to go Guaranteed. with... Guaranteed. I'll go with my third guess is Elvis Costello. Ah, ding, 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 ding. ding. Yes. Okay, so first song here today is a Jesse Winchester cover. This is, of course, yes, by the great EC, Elvis Costello. Attractions? Elvis Co- no attractions. Okay. Not, not officially. So here you go. This is Payday. Let's go out on the town tonight. My pockets are heavy with loot. And get drunk and nasty. There you go. Kicking off the show here today, that was Elvis Costello paying tribute to Jesse Winchester with his cover of Payday, as we did for him right there. 
winter's cloud With timeless hopes That never stop Lord, but I feel that way My soul, my soulless day. Oh, but what am I to do? My mind is in a whirlpool. Give me a little hope. One small thing. Got me going in circles That was Friends of Distinction with Going in Circles, and uh, that was for Jessica Cleves there. Uh, we're moving on here. The next one here, we're going to get into more of the uh, classic rock sense uh, with a guy named Ed Gagliardi. Now, uh, it was funny. I, I brought this up to Logan, and he was like, okay, uh, so he was a bass player for Foreigner. And then your initial reaction. Yeah, my my initial reaction was psh- what, what what records did he do? You yeah, know, the first two. Yeah, he ended up doing the first two records, and then I thought, but yeah, when but when you would think of seventies like classic rock bands, usually it takes about three or four records to get cooking. What's funny is because my my automatic my my first thought, without looking at the 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 track list, was like, yeah, but what's on those first two records? Oh, let me tell you, and man, <laughs> I was wrong. I yeah. was wrong because arguably maybe their best two records. Well, and yeah, yeah, because uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I didn't realize that these songs came out in the late seventies, seventy seven and seventy eight. Yeah, and they those songs still still sound like they're they're fresh, just real good rock rock tunes. Period. Yeah, they're they're really still solid songs. I mean, cold as ice. Yeah, but. Track one, the first song you heard from Foreigner whenever you put the record on, which feels like the first time. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, that's that that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's real cool. I I, I had two songs that I was like, I'm I'm kind of torn actually. So maybe you can be the decider here. Ooh. Uh, the first two I thought of to play. I didn't even tell you what was on Double Vision though. Oh, what's on Double Vision? Double Vision, Hot Blooded. Oh. Well. 
and double, double vision, vision. <laughs> needless to say. Yes. But I mean, you know, blue morning, blue day. Ooh. See, that's one of the that's one of the ones I thought of. So it's between these two. Blue Morning, Blue Day, which I heard recently. I was like, man, that's a good song. Yeah, that is a good song. And something off, a nugget off of the first album, Uh which always makes me think of um, our friend Brian from back in the record store days. Uh His favorite Foreigner song was Head Knocker. Trout? Yeah, the Trout. Okay. So would you rather play Head Knocker? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Throw it out. Throw it out to a. A, a good dedication to old school Brian. Yes, our long distance dedication. Long distance dedication. But we the don't trout. Say, yes. So let's get our foreigner belts out. This is <laughs> Head Knocker. <laughs> go from the very first foreigner album i think just called foreigner foreigner yeah yeah that was head knocker 
And, uh, you know, like, even if you get, like, a best of foreigner, I mean, you're going to just have a good time. And, and get, get, if you get the Rhino one, you're going to get Head Knocker. So I'd recommend <laughs> that one more so than Records, honestly. Records is yeah, good, yeah. but Complete Greatest Hits is better. And then the double is even better than that because they even throw on a few solo tunes, like, yeah. from Lou Graham and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, they're still kicking around there uh, with Kelly Hansen and Jeff Pilsen. Those are some good ringers to have in your band. So if they come to your town, go see them. You're going to have a good time. And we're moving on to the next one. This is uh, definitely an oddity, and not so much in the obscure doo-wop like we usually have on the <laughs> Fallen episodes, but uh, this guy from Canada called Nash the Slash, who obviously a big Claude Rains fan, if I had to guess, first of all, because of his appearance that he's uh, always known for, the yes. Invisible Man. Yeah, the Invisible Man, there we go. Uh, that's my tie-in. Okay, there you go. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I didn't know much about him, but I was kind of fascinated reading through his bio here, you know, or his wiki page, if you, and uh, definitely uh, the beat of his own drummer, if I could use a cliche. He definitely liked uh, riding that wave. Uh, only had a small brush with fame uh, in the mid-70s with a pseudo-progressive rock band called FM. And uh, that's what I'm going to use to represent him because he definitely <laughs> seems like kind of a... Like, if you're a fan of The Replicants, it feels like this would be a guy that you would know about. You know, does that make sense? Yeah, I can, yeah, I, I can see that. Like, huge cult. Like, he, it would have to be a cult thing. He definitely was an odd cookie, but, you know, he's got, you know, he's yeah. got a lot of, actually, quite a bit of stuff out there. Oh, yeah, huge catalog. So, I, I'm definitely not any way close to being an expert on him, but... It was one of those things, like, I saw that he died, and I clicked, I was like, that's an interesting name. Uh, clicked on it. You know, saw he was, anybody that's a musician, I click on the page and see what he was about, and I was like, well, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So, since I know nothing about him, and perhaps the rest of you may not know at all, either, I mean, we're all on the equal footing here, I believe. If there's any National Slash fans out there, please let me know. And <laughs> I, uh, I need a little bit of a, you know, a, a debriefing, a history lesson, but, uh... Yeah, just a brief debriefing. <laughs> yeah, give give me the people's yeah. uh, People Magazine version of it. Do, do you know the bit behind his his look? No, besides the fact that I just thought it looked like the Invisible Man. Yeah, what about it? Well, it it's it's noted on the on the wiki that he apparently put the bandages on. It happened around the time, or whenever he applied the bandages, it was it, it was around the time of the uh, Three Mile Island disaster. Oh, so. Was he a hypochondriac or something? No, no, but he he was just, it was just one of those oh commentaries. Yeah, I guess it was a commentary. Right. You know, nuclear's bad or whatever. So he walked on stage with the these bandages around his head. Yeah, they were supposed to, they were supposed to be dipped in phosphorus too, so they huh. would glow. Huh. I guess. Interesting. And it, he he just said, you know, look, this is what happens to you. You know. <laughs> Okay. Whenever you live near Three Mile Island, so sure. interesting guy. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but you know, a lot of people were yeah. not real sure about the whole yeah. scene, so you know, yeah. they had their little commentaries per se, just yeah. like you said. And if so. he'd have gotten super duper famous, he still could have gone to the grocery store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, there, there's always an, store. There's always an upside. Yeah, grocery store. Yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, speaking of that, sure. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to play something by uh, the band that he kind of won and done there, uh, FM, on their first album. So here is their lone hit, Phasers on Stun.
I do appreciate the real life phaser sound, by the way. Uh, but that was FM with phasers <laughs> on stun, and they actually spell it S O R S. Is that a Canadian thing or? Good day, mate. Is it French Canadian? Because I know. Oh wait, they, that's wrong. That's they'll add an off. extra take... vowel sometimes. I don't know, which, man. You know, that's fine. I'm not going to heal them for it. But uh, off of their 1977 album called <laughs> Black Noise. Why is that funny? I don't know, man. Things were so much better in '77. So I went to the record store and I picked up this band called Foreigner. <laughs> yeah. And this other band called FM. <laughs> yeah. Same year. Okay. Yeah, there 77. you go. Yeah, I guess yeah, you're right. Sorry, so I didn't know where you, you were go. going with that, yeah. but uh, you, you got there. I'm glad. I'm glad you stuck with it for as long as you did. <laughs> I was all ears. You saw that was me. Bad. Moving on. He's noted as the uh, writer of that song, by the way. Oh yes, that Phasers. Was, okay. That must be Canadian. All right, we're moving on to the next guy here. Yay! And uh, I only wait. Who is that? Got to be into this guy for a few years before tragedy struck, which is very sad because it's like I, I just got to know you and you're leaving me. And it's a guy named Doc Neeson. Uh, Doc Neeson was the longtime original lead singer for the Angels or Angel City or the Angels from Angel City. I have to say that every time because depending on where you live, that's what they're called. Uh, but you know, of course, I've given multiple credits over and over again to Michael Butler and once again thank you Michael for turning me on to this band a, a band that everybody should have known about and sadly they didn't Logan I recently I just got uh, the record from you just a few days ago a few days ago I recently said you have to listen to this album listen to their first album face to face did you listen to still, it? Still working on that. Oh, okay. Still working on that. Alright well we'll get there I got a lot of records that day I, I know I know you did I know you did uh, but yeah, I, I recently, a few years ago, bought Face to Face and fell in love with it. And I'm I, speaking of working on it, I still got to get the rest of the catalog. I've got about three records now, but I, I want more because everything I hear from them is amazing. And it's a damn shame because we lost uh, Chris also from Angel City this year. And so cancer sucks. Fuck cancer. It's taken two greats already right there. And it, it just sucks. The Angels still continue. Uh, by the way, Doc stepped down once he even got diagnosed with the cancer and told him to move on. Mm. They they are still touring in their native land uh, with a new guy who is respectful and a fan of the music. So uh, that'll be interesting to hear. Uh, they've got a record out now with the new guy. So I just hope people eventually find this band. It may take 50 years. Who knows? Just like a lot of bands that just don't get their due when they're around. But... Uh, you know, I think it's a lot of those Australian bands. I'm kind of fascinated with Australian rock because I feel like, and, and a lot of them even say it this way, uh, the ones that stay in Australia don't really make it. Like the Bee Gees and ACDC and NXS, they had the balls to leave, go to England or something, and then and, and start building from there. Uh, Australia, I get it, though, because apparently it's so beautiful. It's Min so fun. It's Min such a... Midnight Hill State. Yeah, they they made it somehow, but he, but like Nick Cave because he was Australian, sure. But he moved. Yeah, he moved to the UK. Yeah, totally. You, and did gratuitous uh, amounts of heroin with <laughs> with other with um, other people. Yeah, I, I feel like Midnight Oil probably went Brit the British way too. It feels like that they did, but uh, no, they they still they still. I mean, they they had they well, had some nice hits. I, I hate to divert well, from no, you. No, no, I'm not saying it's like not saying you can't leave. And permanently. I hate to, I, I don't want to leave my my Nick Cave thing just hanging out like oh, he sorry, just yeah. went somewhere and did heroin. And, <laughs> yeah, you know whatever. But he's still brilliant. But yeah. moving on, this is all about Doc Neeson. Sure, anyway, sure. So. 
But yeah, like there's just a lot of these great bands from that era that Angels, star- the Angel City started in. Skyhooks. Skyhooks, another great example right there, and uh, just they just didn't make it out. And uh, and the stuff that Jimmy Barnes was doing, really, really cool. Yeah. Pub rock, I guess, for lack of a better term. Good day, mate. Yeah, and it's it's an easy handshake. It's the if you love ACDC, you're gonna love this. It's it's a layup. Yeah. And people should know about these bands. But uh, yeah, if you've never. Like just, if you just haven't taken the plunge. Go get face to face by the angels, and you'll get exposed to the greatness. Uh, but here you go. And I've already played take, my favorite song by him, "Take a Long Line," uh, the first of many. And this is definitely very apropos to say goodbye to Doc Neeson. And uh, I'll say more about it once we finish up here. But this is the angels with "Am I Ever Gonna See Your Face Again?" No.
right, that was The Angels with Am I Ever Gonna See Your Face Again. That comes off of the album Face to Face. Uh, there's a good live album I still need to get uh, that I heard a lot of tracks from on the Rock and Roll Geek show, so I'll eventually get to that. But speaking of a live version, if you go to YouTube and do this, pause this show, actually go to YouTube and do this right now, go type in The Angels, Am I Ever Gonna See Your Face Again. If you type in live after that, the first match you get is going to be this appearance from Big Day Out in Australia. You have to see it to believe it. It's it's a great clip. They're That's, just really killing it. Was it was pretty cool. Yeah, it was I, pretty I just cool. made Logan watch it. So, yeah. <laughs> so you go rest in peace, Doc Neeson. You you were a great front man and a great singer, and you will be missed. Uh, hopefully, as the years go on, even more and more. So, uh, we're gonna move on now to a gentleman named Don Davis, who, much like a lot of these guys here, not a household name, but a man. Uh, if if you're ever known for just writing a handful of songs, not a bad list of songs. But he also combined a career in music with one in banking. Oh, he was a banker. Oh well. So there you go. F him in the second half of his life, <laughs> right? <laughs> but uh, when he was uh, down, shall we say, uh, he was working on with... the weekends. It sounds like maybe oh, Ma- so... maybe he he just he was banked a weekend Monday through Friday, and then he was a Weekend record producer. Well, you know, it's not that they... Uh, it's it's just because the club owners and promoters are such generous folk. You I know. know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say it's... That, I'm, that's I'm, just, I'm just ribbing anyway, but... Yeah, I, know, I know. Whenever you, you're able to join Stax. <laughs> yeah, that's all you need to say. <laughs> he was in Stax in the day and uh, wrote a few songs for a few guys. Uh, you know, guys like Isaac Hayes and Johnny Taylor and people like that. So... I think just by that association, you're valid. That that's all. Oh, I totally. Say about yeah. It. If you're working at Stacks, then then you got, especially in in that time frame. Yeah. You know what? You, you, you could you could have just played the the cowbell on. Yeah. On some, uh, I don't I don't a even know a Staple singer song. Yeah, staple singers. That's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> so. I was really tr- starting to dig. Yeah, but, no, that's all right. But you know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Whenever you're associated with stacks, that's yeah, a label good enough, just like Motown, to have their own sets like greatest hits or box sets, yeah, that you should own. If you've never bought a stacks collection for yourself, do yourself a favor and make sure any collection has to be valid enough to include this next song. Uh, it's a song by another guy, the late great Johnny Taylor, right? One of his first big hits, probably his maybe his biggest overall hit besides uh, Cheaper to Keeper, probably. Uh, but this is Johnny Taylor with Who's Making Love. Ah! Hear me now. Oh, you follow, gather around me, and let me give you some good advice. What I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you now. You better think about it twice. Why you Be beat on and treated so bad. 
That was the great Johnny Taylor with Who's Making Love. That was for Don Davis there, who wrote that shit. So, uh, good stuff there. Like I said, Stax Records, guys. Just Stax Records. I love Stax Records. And maybe it's just because of the overplay. Like, I get the greatness of Motown. Love Motown. Yeah. Love Motown. I love Stax more. Yeah. <laughs> I really do. It's yeah. a little dirtier. It's, yeah, I think it's kind of yeah. got that. Yeah. That they were the underdogs from freaking Tennessee. They they were the kids the kids folk. on the other side of the tracks, you know. Yeah, literally. Um, Macklemore Avenue. Good stuff. So moving on here, something completely different, and this is like up there with like you know with like Doc Pomus dying or something like that. Mm. Freaking Jerry Goffin, who was the songwriting partner and life partner for a while, right? With Carol King, King and Goffin. King Goffin. Just a powerhouse songwriting duo. If there ever was one, they came from the Brill Building, that kind of thing. It's an interesting era to really think about because you would think as prefab as a lot of pop music today is, and I'm not saying anything other than what this is because I'm not saying it almost as a negative thing, but back in that day... The hit makers, the people that wrote the songs, were employees yeah. that whose job was to come up with hit records. Bacharach. And then yeah, Bacharach and David is another good example yeah. of that. But people like King and Goffin, they would be in the building writing these songs, and then there was like three tiers you had to go through. You had to write the song, present it to the boss. If they liked it, then they said this song's gonna live. Right, And then after that, you go through the process of auditioning everybody who wants a crack at it with this song that is probably a guaranteed hit. Yeah. So you have to... It's auditioning, and then it's auditioning it, again. It's going through the machine, Yeah, basically, is what it is. It's a crazy some, time to think somebody, about. Somebody's got, got the pen to the paper, yeah. taking notes. Yeah. But you can't argue with deciding the... Deciding yeah. what, what you're going to listen to. Yeah, but this business model... When you go back and look at the number of hits just Goffin and King had a hand in, no, notwithstanding their co-workers. Right. But yeah. just, if you go down this list, it's songs that everybody knows. Even if you're 12 right yeah. now, yeah. you got to know these songs, right? I would I would think that you would, you know. Um, man, I don't know which one to, to really pick out. I mean... There's somebody good with the locomotion. Well, but, but and, he, he, uh, you know, he wrote that for little Eva... Well, yeah, but or, or little Eva ended up doing that ended one. Ended up winning the audition. Yeah, she she won that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, he wrote one fine day from the for the, the Chiffons who yeah. won that lottery. Uh, the the uh, Shirelles, um, we used to Shirelles, love me tomorrow. Right. Um, 
and then uh, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the monkeys. For, for the monkeys. Yeah. Uh, you make me feel like a natural woman. Yeah, Who, Aretha. Yeah, and then like I think Carol covered it and had another yeah. hit with it later yeah. on when she yeah. went solo. She did. Yeah. Yeah, because she basically tapestry is yeah. just her like tapestry was like I made these hits and I'm going to make them hits again. Right, <laughs> that's yeah. what a lot of that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it looks like it. You know, yeah. it tapestry is one of those records that always kind of baffled me because I wasn't sure if I needed to own it ever. Yeah, because you, you've got all the songs on something else. But you know, it it, <laughs> it was it was the best selling record of all time for a, long a time. really long time. Yeah, I guess until Thriller. Yeah. So it's Saturday Night Fever. Yeah. yeah. Well. Uh, I, I, I think neck and neck probably because yeah, yeah. it's two different methods of thought there but yeah anyway maybe so but you know it it's tapestry still considered to considered one of those records i guess that you're supposed to have yeah but going back to jerry i mean this is the amount of songs that jerry wrote th- that's an easy box set right there yeah that's you know i'm surprised they haven't done one yeah well they will and maybe they yeah now, but yeah it's uh so yeah your legacy is there and it's being played on some radio station on multiple radio stations as we yeah. speak i mean that's yeah. just all there is to it so the estate of goffin will be <laughs> yeah forever. just just fine just yeah. fine yeah. uh i'm just going to use the opportunity to pick uh my personal favorite maybe not out of the entire list but a personal favorite do you feel like a natural woman uh I, sometimes but oh. uh I'm going to go with this song. This is a really interesting one because it's not an obvious hit. And not that it was yeah. a big hit anyway. Right, right. But it was written for the Monkees. Yeah. And they wound up performing it. Uh, and I just always liked the song. It's kind of weird. It's kind of odd. They're, they're like getting into the psychedelic era at this point. Yeah. And uh, we're way past Pleasant Valley Sunday at this point. We're into stuff like this. This is a song about a groupie. And it's called Star Collector. <laughs> so, wow. He wrote this? Yeah. So let me know what you think of this. Here we wow. go. Hello. Nice knowing you. She's a star collector. 
All right, there you go. That was Star Collector, or as I called it off the air, which I'll call on the air here, <laughs> the original Star Fuckers. Yeah. That was the Monkees. Monkees. Uh, lead, lead vocal by David Jones there. Off my favorite Monkees album, I'm going to go on record saying my favorite Monkees album is Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones. You have a favorite Monkees album? I do. I love the Monkees. Okay. You can see those deluxe editions of the first four over there in my corner. They uh, were pretty sweet. Yeah, yeah. Rhino. Yeah, you get right? the stereo and mono mix. Were they Rhino? Yeah, total yeah. Rhino. Yeah. yeah. Bam. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, nice job, Rhino. Yeah. They always do a good job, though. Absolutely. Uh, we're moving on here. We're getting back into the soul. we got a double shot of Massive Soul coming up here. And a guy, uh, the, basically one of the lead guitar players and a decent songwriter for Al Green. Uh-huh. I still can't believe this is his name. But a guy by the name of Teeny Hodges. Wait, you want the full name? Yeah, give me the full. Maybon. I guess I'm saying that right. M A B O N. Sure. Lewis Teeny Hodges. Oh, okay. I like it. <laughs> and uh, if I'm not mistaken, he uh, once he was all said and done, he actually died over here in our neck of the woods in Dallas, correct? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he died just a few minutes down the road from us. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the one I'm going to play here, it's a little obvious for Al Green. I mean, it's not quite Let's Stay Together as far as, like, obvious goes, but... I picked this one because Teeny wrote this song, but he, he's got that, man, the tone of his guitar on this song, and he plays this little lick right before Al comes in on the main verse. It's just a real tasteful lick, and I just think this is a really good representation of not only his songwriting, but his guitar playing. And that Al Green band from those original records, they're just, how great are those? The band itself, you could have made those instrumental albums and I would have bought them. You put Al Green's voice over, and it's like, hey, now. Even if it's kind of like, you know how those old Al Green records are. It's like, it almost seems like they had the rhythm section play the same thing, and they just yeah. wrote and recorded different songs over about six or eight. But hell, right, man, right. you can't mess with that hi-hat. No. You know, it's just no. like, oh, uh-uh. it just sounds so good. But uh, yeah, here you go. We're going to play some Al Green here. Uh, but like I said, you'll probably know this one even if you're a Best Of fan of Al Green. But like I said, Teeny wrote this, so I like this one for him. This is Love and Happiness. Oh. oh. Love and Happiness. Yeah. Something that can make you do wrong, make you do right. Yeah. <laughs> Love Love and happiness But wait a minute, something's going wrong Someone's on the phone Three o'clock in the morning, yeah. Talking about how she can make it right, yeah. yeah. Happiness is when you really feel good about somebody. There's nothing wrong being in love with someone, yeah. Love and happiness. 
Teeny Hodges there that was Al Green with Love and Happiness and uh, Logan did point this out too off air and I was like yeah I'm going to talk about that too because that would have been because I thought that you were going to throw down that one yeah I mean you know like a it it's a tier one but it's like yeah you know if you're separating them by five or ten or whatever it, sure. it's it's a, it's a tier one song yeah but it's kind of towards the bottom it's just under light stay together I think yeah yeah and take me to the river Teeny actually wrote take me to the river yeah so that basically means 
if he didn't get completely ripped off, he probably lived off of the royalties of that song for the rest of his life. I don't know how he couldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it it's that magic of just write the one song. Yeah. And let it let it go. Yeah. Because tons of people made you know a, yeah. a lot of different artists yeah. turned it into a hit as yeah. well. And not just talking heads, but like uh-uh. This I mean, thing, and, and it crossed over too. That's the fun. That's the interesting part about yeah, it is, yeah. you can uh, you can approach this song any way you want. Yeah, you can. It can be religious fair, right? It, right. You know, or you can just be a good old funk track. You yeah. know, it's it's all you there. Can for you can even turn it into like a country rock song. Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a bluegrass cover of "Take Me to the River" somewhere. Tom Jones did it. Yeah. Diane Sure, jazz artist, she did it. Yeah. Um, of course, Talking of, Heads. Of talking Heads. The Grateful Dead. Bruce Springsteen did it. Yeah. See, there you go. I mean, you're you're hitting on all, a whole many, you know, just yeah. a tremendous amount of. I'd like to have a small piece of yeah, the Talking yeah. Heads best of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> just a small piece. That'd be fine. Mana did it. Okay. There, yeah. There's your crossover. Oh, they sell. There's your big crossover. They sell tons of records in their in their native shit, land. Metric shit tons because yeah. I think that's what they call it in Europe. Oh, okay. So it's metric and not myrrh. No. Yes. That's yeah. Well, yes. You're that's correct. going back into the religious yeah. fair. Yeah, okay. Right, so right. moving on here, uh, a, a big name, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he finally did get his due into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think so. Uh, is a gentleman by the name of Bobby Womack. Now that's a big one right there. Uh, you know, much like a lot of guys you've heard on this show today, soul singer. Uh, he kind of. I like that he he came in right there in the middle too, like a, a few of these other guys that had the convenience and luck of being born into an era where you started coming up. You could still be a soul artist, but you could also get funky. Yeah, you know, it's like right there, right in the middle. So right through the seventies, and you know, he's on both trains and doing it well too, and still having a, a toe in the blues. Also, I mean, there's just yeah. a lot of stuff. Nice hybrid era. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got your blues and your soul and your funk. All of Love it. it. Wrap and it even up. like jazz yeah. funk, you know. So, and uh, Bobby Womack, probably a guy, you know, and he's not really even a household name. I would, I would, uh, you know, pretty much have to say, but his fans. That's another thing. Like, you would love to have fans like these because, yeah. and and not like it's a cult fan status, but it's more like he's one of those guys like the stones worship him you know like right that yeah. he's that kind of guy you know it's not just the older blues guys no they saw bubby womack and be like yeah that guy's the man so that's all you need right there yeah and you know uh but because of stones they actually covered this song so i wanted to play this one because i i think it's a label issue but if you most of the best of bobby womacks you can find out there do not have this song on there but they should Really? Because the Stones looked at this song as a, a big, big uh, favorite track of theirs. So much so that they actually recorded it. So here you go. This is Bobby Womack with It's All Over Now.
Okay, and what I played there, actually, it's a solo version of Bobby Womack doing one of his signature songs, It's All Over Now, which he made famous originally with his old band in the 60s, the Valentinos. Now, I was doing some research on the history of this song. At the time this song was new and original, the Rolling Stones had decided they wanted to have a crack at it, too. Uh, Bobby actually had an issue with it initially because, like, oh, these little white boys, you know. I'm sure that's what everybody was thinking right. at the time, because they were doing their first album was like all covers except Ooh, for like one these song. motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, and as as uh, luck would have for the Stones, it became their first number one, and it's known as the definitive version of the song. Even though Keith Richards said that he fucked up the guitar solo, actually, so the guy that played the original killed it, and I. I screwed it up. Wow. But uh, the version I played there is obviously a solo re-recording of Bobby Womack doing it. A really interesting approach, too. But I, I don't know where it comes from other than the fact that I got it off of a compilation that was <laughs> that was basically selected as favorite songs of the Rolling Stones. And it's one of those it was one of those free CDs out of the uh, like, classic rock magazines. I was going to say Uncut or, or yeah. one of those. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. It was called The Devil's Jukebox. This is a great oh, yeah. CD. Yeah, I remember that. A lot of good blues on there. A lot of good originals. Yeah. But like they put this version on there. It was like, this is a really cool version. But I've... I just I don't know what yeah. album it's off of, so I need to do my homework on that. But anyway, let's move on here, on to something completely different. Oh completely. my gosh! Completely. I named John Spinks, not former heavyweight champion of the world, John Leon Spinks. No, I'm just kidding. Ah. Uh, but the guy who was the main songwriter, another main songwriter and guitar player. Yes. Uh, and uh, he had a band in the '80s that we got to know very well called the Outfield. This is a Chris Logan segment here. Well, sort of. I mean, because I actually did see the outfield in my summer of 86. Nice. It's a good they, year. They were an opening band, I think, for Starship. Ooh. How was Starship? Did you stay for that? Yeah, actually, you did. I stayed. Oh, I stayed. Right. It was, and yes, that was the knee deep in the hoopla. Oh, yeah. We built this city. We built the city. Yeah. yeah. Did was... they even play Jane? Do you remember if they Dude, even played it? We didn't even stay for all of Starship. I, I, I didn't think so. I mean, yeah. I'll be honest. I'm sure the outfield killed it though. That, well, I mean, that yeah, first that, record is so good. The 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 thing that I remember more so was that it was actually strangely the first band that I saw to where they played two songs that were going to be on the next album. Oh wow! And that you know, I, I was still kind of green. Sure. You know, new to new to shows. You of know, so having that happen to me, I was like, oh, ooh, ooh, because they even said this is a song on our next album. Yeah. Well, that you know, that's what Play so, Deep was eighty five, I think. Yeah. But the tour didn't happen till eighty six. Yeah. I mean, they didn't really hit big until yeah, '86 uh, yeah. anyway. That was a slow build yeah. for that, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, they they did. Uh, what your your love was the big single. Of course, I think that was a top ten in '86. I so. gotta say, that's one of those songs that I still never get sick of. I still freaking love that song. Anytime it's on the radio, it always stays on. I don't know why I, that that I like them so much. Um, but I did. I didn't yeah. buy the T-shirt. Yeah, no, I didn't. But. Either. <laughs> um, you, had, I, you had the option to buy a shirt. Yeah, I did have the option. I mean, I went to the show for crying out loud, you yeah. know. And that was the only time I ever saw. Was that a Six Flags show? Yeah, it was Six yeah, Flags. I just yeah. had that feeling yep. that it was. Yeah, because that was a summer. Let's see. Uh, we saw Cutting Crew and the Bengals. Yeah, you talked about that yeah. on Deep Wave. That was and great. Um, let's see. Who else did we see? Oh, Thompson Twins that summer, which was like... Nice. It, 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 was, it was a transitional 
year yeah, because for them, yeah. you know I was I was still at you know that that heavy metal kid yeah. you know because I listened to Judas Priest and yeah. Iron Maiden sure Motorhead whatever yeah and but then it was the year of you know pop oh, reigning yeah. and it was like that that you know that sort of power pop stuff going on but NXS was making it big over here so um the Pesh Mode all of that stuff it was it's it was transitioning from being you know college into a mainstream and, and I, I think some of these bands kind of took advantage of some of that yeah. that success that they were starting to have too even though they you know no one ever considered the outfield as being alternative but yeah but you know they didn't seem like bandwagoners either it just seemed no. very organic sounding to yeah me at least it, yeah and it, it it, it exactly that you know John Spinks was apparently the guy that started the band yeah there's a lot of the bands like that where it's the guitar player who like I don't have that look to be a star but right. I have the talent I just need to find that singer what's weird is Man, they were, he found a singer they were British dudes who had baseball themes <laughs> yeah how did that happen well I mean I don't understand that I mean I don't know sh- how they got to baseball but I don't what either. I do know may, I mean this could have been just as calculated as hey what's big in America yeah and and <laughs> You're you're right. I mean, because well, didn't Def Leppard kind of do that? Sort of. Uh, What? What? what, I mean, they did it on their own terms, within a sense. But I mean, they were still aiming for America. Everybody aimed for America. Sure. Yeah. Let's be a big hit. Yeah, yeah, we got to make it to America. Yeah. They're just one of the first bands that I can think of that that really did that. But they were they were just a pop band, and and they. Man, I liked them. Yeah. I liked them a lot. My other thing that I always think about, especially when I hear your love or something like that, and uh, is I saw the outfield play one of those like crappy morning shows around here. <laughs> one of those local morning shows. Did they really? They were advertising for. They were in town. I don't know if they were in town for some you know city festival or pig race or whatever it was. Right. This is like ninety six, ninety seven. Oh yeah. It's like yeah. seven in the morning. Yeah. And they played your love on there. That guy still hit all the high notes. I'm like, that's never respect. Yeah, yeah. seven in the morning and you're singing that song. Yeah, that's not a uh, that vocalist could still still. I mean, it was. I I do remember it being very very much just like the record. It wasn't a studio production. Yeah, how he was doing that, I don't know, man. I don't know, but but uh, you you know how I do around here. I'm a even though I still love your love. Yeah, I'm a little. Oh, bit, yeah. I'm a champion yeah. of the the follow up singles. Man, I tell you what, you know I, what we're gonna play. I, well, no, I don't know what you're gonna play, but yeah. I could almost because I still have play deep, and I yeah. you know I still listen to you and know they, even like I don't need her or every time you cry, which was kind of like the ballad or yeah, something yeah. like that. I'm not going that deep, honestly, okay. but but th- this song is and it's funny. This song is not obscure in any way. It's easily their second most known song. Because you'll still catch this song on comps and uh-huh. best ofs, like like the '80s Strike Back or sure, something. Sure, yeah, right, right. And I remember pure I got the, '80s. This was actually the outfield representation on Rhino's "Like Oh My God" box set. So oh, was it? Instead of your love, they put on "Since You've Been Gone." Oh, that's actually from the uh, second album. Yes, yes, absolutely. second album. Yeah, that's so, one of the songs that I heard, and it came so back to back. From the first one because they didn't like, like yeah. you said it was I mean, a slow bill in the first so it, it I didn't realize like I remember even going to the record store going hey these two songs are on different albums what's yeah. up with that yeah you know, that was a real eye opener that was me. one of the songs they played that uh, since you've been gone and that's a that's a great track go ahead play right, play sure. that play that all right. 
there you go. You remember the name of that second album, Logan? It was called Bangin'. 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 Yeah. And it had this weird cover with like this kid in a diaper and a silver sneaker and... I, 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 why don't I remember this? I, I play deep is so embedded in my head, but just that yeah, one play, for some reason. Yeah, I, I guess that's like the rest of America. Still, they didn't man, really buy it as much as the first one. But. And I was, you know, I was that kid that that did for some reason. Yeah, but uh, there you go. That was since you've been gone. My favorite song after Rainbow called Nothing "Since You've Been that. Gone." <laughs> after Rainbow, you know, Rainbow had a song called "Since You've Been Gone." Also, oh, okay. So I it's was like, like my second favorite song called "Since You've Been okay. Gone." Okay, okay, sorry. Is by the Outfield, <laughs> Kelly Clarkson. I don't know where you are on that list, but anyway, that being said, um, number three. Yeah, well, I don't know. I'd have to. I have to really look through this list here. I'm sure there's a lot more than that. Uh, smell an episode. Yeah, that could be a, its own episode. <laughs> With that all being said, I thought that was a good way to go out for tonight's episode. We are, um, we've, you know, uh, not any kind of like preview spoilers for the next wave of the Fallen, but it's going to be a little bit, hopefully. We've had two massive ones over the last week, so uh, that's going to start off number three in a big way. Yeah. So, or actually when we get to volume four is what I mean. It's going to be volume huge. Four. Yeah, because this is volume three of The Fallen. Oh, is it three? Of 2014. Yeah, we've oh, done three of these this year already. Shit. So uh, when volume four ever happens, like I said, there's going to be some heavy hitters in that one already, which is sad, but true. Uh, but that's how we do here. So uh, wow. next episode, probably going to be new records. I need to do a new record show because I've only done one this year so far. It's halfway through the year. Yeah, I know. It's not going to be my favorite of the year. Like I said, just banking the 10 that I've gotten since I've done the last one. And we're up to that at this point. So until then, go to cnjradio.com, home of this show, Rock Strikes 10. You'll see the links to the Twitter, the Facebook, and the email, joey at cnjradio.com. Tell me what you liked and what you didn't like. And yes, Logan's going to get his own show here at some point because he's awesome. Oh, yeah. And uh, Hey, don't forget to listen to the Synaptic. Yes. Like I said, home CNJ Radio, also home of the Synaptic, starring Randy Brown, a true alternative. And he definitely does the show as much as he possibly can. That If anybody has a crazy-ass schedule, it's Randy. But the fact that we even have a few shows up this month is saying a lot of him. It's a so. crazy-ass show. It's great, though. Oh, yeah, it's great. Who else plays, like, Mastodon and then... Lyle Lovett. Lyle Lovett. Alien Sex Fiend. <laughs> oh, he wow. Did recently. Oh, he's doing... Uh, here's more Synaptic plugs. His, uh, he does a... Uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, he does a thing called a, the residency. He has a residency every month on the show, and it's usually a band. Oh, yeah. You know what his residency is for July? Ooh, this should be good. The song She Sells Sanctuary. Oh. He's playing a different remix of it on every episode. Really? Yeah. Because there's stuff. like... There's like eight remixes. I was going to say, there's. I, I was going to say he's ten. Not even, he's not even going to get through all of them. He's just going to pick his like three or four favorites. Oh, okay. So. Wow. Good stuff. So anyway, there you go. That's Another, a good That's a good reason to tune in. Hey, you like that? Yeah. I that's, liked it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So there you go. Synaptic, also on cnjradio.com. Send us all messages. Leave us all reviews on iTunes for sure. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Say goodnight, Logan. Goodnight, Logan. All right. Have fun. And would you please say hello To all the folks that I know And tell them I won't be long They'll be happy to know That as you saw me go I was singing this song 
Sunny 